Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. This is our number two of Oilers Now. It's 108 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer and Angie Quinnell with you on Oilers Now. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. They wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office IT and software. You can reach us on our Ashley Pine Floors text line at 7804960063. Ashley Pine Floors providing winning results for over 35 years. Japanese Village now open to serve you at any one of their five Edmonton and area locations with Alberta steak and seafood hooked right at your table. Reservations uh, now available. Go online at jvedmonton.ca to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. We welcome back to the show from the cult of hockey, David Staples. Hello, David. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Bob. I'm finally over the pain and suffering. Well, I'm getting over the pain and suffering of that defeat to the Blackhawks. Took a, what's taken a while. Uh, what sort of response did you get uh, via the cult of hockey, uh, you know, in terms of the fans and the engagement level that you had as to some of the frustrations that are out there as to why the Edmonton Oilers lost? Bob, people are, I mean, I think it's a, a devastating loss for Oilers fans. And we also saw that from Ken Holland, didn't we? He was talking about the massive disappointment. So I think that's generally what people are experiencing right now. And there's all kinds of kind of soul-searching going on about every single player on the team almost, uh, from McDavid to Nurse to Dreisaitl to Clefbaum to Koskinen. You know, who needs to get better? Who needs to do this? Who needs to do that? The coaching staff. There's just kind of mass uh, discontent right now in the fan base. From your perspective, um uh what do you want to hit on in terms of target areas for what didn't happen for Edmonton in the series? Well, Bob, I, I I keep going back, and I know I raised this with you in mid-July when Tippett first made the change, uh, breaking up the drive settle Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins line. So there's all kinds of factors in what went wrong. And Tippett, of course, has made almost every single right call through the regular season. But for me, Bob, that's the main thing, breaking up that line. Um, you know, I, I don't know, like, I watch college football a lot, and there's always this, if you have a play that the other team can't stop, you just keep running it. You know, if you can go off tackle 15 times in a row, it might be boring, but if you can get five or six yards every time, you just keep doing it. So it's kind of on the keep it simple, stupid uh, idea. Tippett had the best line in the NHL. They they had a 77% goals for percentage. So at even strength, they scored 30 goals, gave up nine. You have that going for you, and you don't make the other team stop that in the playoffs. It's hard for me to get past that. I don't understand it. Did you hear Darcy McLeod, what guy, uh, present 
statistical evidence via analytics that would suggest that the Nugent Hopkins McDavid line killed at five on five in terms of scoring chances and basically produced at the rate of a mid range power play at even strength. Bob, the so Nugent Hopkins and McDavid scored five goals and gave up five goals against Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yamamoto and Dreisaitl scored four and gave up five. So maybe they had the run of play going for them. Possibly they did. I didn't see a line that could tip it, that Tippett could send out there when the Oilers were down a goal or when they uh, when they when they needed to protect the lead. You need to have that dominant line you can send out there, and they didn't have that line. They didn't have that line that can control the game. So, you know, Darcy's numbers. I, I think they showed really good offensive production for those groups of players, but I don't think they showed really good defensive uh, play from from those groups of players. Fourteen. So, I, I'm four, not buying it. Fourteen, five, and five. The Edmonton Oilers' record in the twenty-four games that they played: Drysaddle, Saddle, Nugent, Hopkins, and uh, Yamamoto together. Uh, what we may have seen here is that Drysaddle needs Nugent Hopkins more than McDavid does. Uh, and I think that uh, Ryan certainly helps out defensively in a very subtle way. I think we're watching the emergence of an elite complementary winger. And, uh, of course, the fans all want R&H uh, re-signed. Um, what did you think of the top four defense? Well, when I'm looking at players who really failed the team, I'm not looking. Like some people, like Speck has pointed his finger at McDavid and Dreisaitl. And, yeah, their defensive play could have been better. But really, Bob, um, the, the problems were in net and with those four defensemen. Um, Bear, Clefbaum, Nurse, and Larson, they just didn't even come close to getting it done in a way that they had regularly, regularly in the regular season. They didn't contribute much on the attack. They weren't getting shots at net at even strength. They weren't making plays in the offensive end. And in the defensive zone, it was just one like head-scratching mistake after another, like constantly leaving two players in front of the net with one defenseman to cover them, you know, losing battles on the boards, running around. They just were discombobulated in a way that they weren't in the regular season. And they didn't come through for the Oilers, um, you know, throwing the puck away, throwing the puck up the boards when you're not under pressure. You know, why does it, Why was Oscar Clefbaum doing that? Why was Darnell Nurse running around in his own zone? Like, it was just, it was disconcerting. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I go back to what Ken Holland said, though, like, the, the patient approach and the continuity may be important here to just to put this in perspective. These guys weren't that bad in the regular season. Actually, they were pretty good, all of them. So maybe there was just some weird dynamic here at play in terms of these defensemen uh, that threw them off in the playoffs. That's kind of do what you, I'm going with right now. Do you, do you read between the lines? I don't know if you heard the segment with Brian Lawton, but he talked about the Oilers' top pairing and uh, not being able to get close to the level that they've been at during the regular season. It's interesting uh, regarding Clefbaum and Larson because, you know, I thought Adam, uh, January, February, March, and and for the record, it was December that Leon had just a brutal plus minus. I think he went minus, yeah. might have been minus 24, 25 in that month. Of course, Mike Smith's save percentage was 828 in five uh, starts. So, uh, you know, and, and goaltending is part of it. You mentioned goaltending. I I hate to be that guy that's, uh, uh, here's the thing. I My expectation is goalies will have at least a 910 save percentage. They had an 869 save percentage in the series. Uh, you know, the only reason why they were in it for as many for as long as they were in the series was because of the goaltending in the other end. Corey Crawford wasn't yeah. very good either. Baby steps for Ken Holland. He emphasizes skating 
and maybe we'll see a little, like, you know, they signed Archibald. Clearly, that was a good pickup. He really helped out the PK. Is there a higher ceiling for Haas and Nygaard, as an example, do you think, David? Yeah, definitely. Just, I just want to address the, the Larson Clefbaum thing first. Larson was hurt this playoffs. Whenever he's hurt, he doesn't play well. He was. It looked like he was healthy in the spring, and, and we saw his best hockey, right? Yep. So maybe it was just a health issue with Larson. You know, in, in some ways, the series comes down to, to two shots. Um, Kubalik beats Koskinen on a shot that he should save in the third period, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins launches a brilliant shot with two minutes, two and a half minutes left, and Crawford makes the save. So goaltending is absolutely huge. What I liked about uh, to get to Ken Holland, you know, I just, man, what a, it, 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 that was a tremendously reassuring press conference for me. The guy has been through all the wars. He's been through, you know, we focus on his success in Detroit, but he pointed out, you know, more than 20 years of disappointment in that great run where they were eliminated from the playoffs and all he learned from that. We are in good hands right now with a GM who knows how to deal with a dis- disappointment under tough circumstances, and he's going to make the right call. And he showed that by, you know, he talked about just the need for continuity on the team, and he pointed out Negard and Haas. So these are two players who can skate. The orders have been slow in recent years. He's seeing two guys who are finding their role and can use their speed in the NHL to greater advantage the more accustomed they get to the league. And I think he's exactly right. I really liked Haas in Game 4. Uh, they re- the Oilers' knee guard was going great guns on the checking line with uh, Shane before he got hurt in January. So, you know, we have a GM who's not going to discard those players, who, who recognizes their value, and that's good news for the Oilers. David Staples from the Cult of Hockey, Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. It's currently 117 in Edmonton. Do they need to trade a top four defenseman? You just talked about continuity. Well, this is what people are speculating on, you know, should they move? I think it's popped into people's heads in a realistic way for the first time. Maybe Nurse and Clefbaum really aren't the answer, and and both players have their fans and detractors in the city. Sure. So I I had never been in the camp of moving Nurse. I'm a big fan of his. Um, You know, I'd always been a bit more open to moving Clefbaum, but I just think, can you replace them with anyone better? And Holland made this point, like, these top four defensemen and top pairing defensemen especially, they're hard to find. These guys are both under 30. They're not expensive right now. Um, They should be in the prime of their career, which is why what happened was so disappointing. Nonetheless, it was just a a small four-game window. So, no, I don't see them trading either of those guys or Adam Larson. At the same time, Bob, they've got to find a way to open up a spot for Caleb Jones and maybe for Evan Bouchard on the blue line. So they're going to have to make some some trades and and maybe and Chris Russell might have to be moved out if they can. He's got the um, limited no trade no movement clause, but that's the obvious move. To me, the kind of the alpha move, just like Holland had to move Lucic last summer, he's got to move Chris Russell this summer. I think that's the key move that that it's on his will be difficult to do, but if he can pull it off, then a lot of things can flow out of that. Brian Lawton was quite specific. I asked him point blank, do you qualify Andreas Athens to you at $3 million? He said no. When the Oilers made the deal, the belief was the cap might be at 85 or you know, $86 million bucks. It's now stagnant at 81.5. Put your GM's hat on, David. Do you qualify Andreas Athens to you at $3 million? 
step one, you try to convince him to take less. Step two, if he won't take less, you, you trade him. And I say that, Bob, even though I think there's a chance that he's the kind of winger who can fit in with McDavid. I don't think McDavid needs a player like Nugent Hopkins who thrives kind of in the give-and-go game. McDavid needs wingers who go hard to the net and, and back-check hard. And I think you could tr- train a fantasy to be that player. But I don't think they can afford him, and they have other options, including Negard, to be that kind of winger um, at a lot less money. Riley Sheehan, um, I got to tell you, it looked like he had a little, he lacked a little bit of jump in the yeah. four games. He did do a good job in the face-off circle, and he was part of a penalty kill that went thirty to second. Um, I don't know how many like Eric Hall is out there. Would he make sense? He can really skate. Uh, would you bring Sheehan back, or would you try to improve that spot? Well, I have high hopes for Gaytan Haas, and uh, Jujar Kara had a good playoff, I thought. So they have two guys for three and four. They need one more center, and it depends uh, where you want to spend your money. Like, I personally think the priorities are a, a, a winger to play with McDavid, and, it, and it's not necessarily a top-scoring winger. It's someone who can fit, a smart, aggressive guy who can fit with McDavid. And in goal, I think you have a problem as well that you need to fill. So you would replace Mike Smith because you've got Koskinen's deal at four and a half million for two more years. Yeah, you know what, Bob? When Tippett made the decision in Game Four to go with Koskinen, like if Mike Smith had a real future with the team, it was for that game. Like he had to have the coach's trust to go into that game. And the fact that Tippett didn't pick him, and the fact that his save percentage has been hovering below uh, league average for two years in a row indicates to me like this is a goalie on the downward curve he's not seen as by the coach in a crucial moment as as the guy you can go to they need to get that other goalie now of course they have to find someone better than smith which which might be a challenge but that's what i would be working on david do you think that maybe we live in a here and now world we live in a time in which people jump on twitter and immediately respond i mean uh one of the things that i was pleased about was because of the improvement this year from the hockey team is I'm not getting bombarded during games that I'm broadcasting from people, sometimes, frankly, from my friends that are snapping at me because the Oilers are, a, you know, a sub-500 team. I mean, they were a legitimate two-hole team in the Pacific Division the majority of the season. Uh, but we are in a here-and-now world. And do you think maybe sometimes they need a true sense of history to appreciate that there's an evolution that occurs with teams? I go back to that 82 team. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers of the 1980s for me, was the most electrifying team in NHL history. They lost a five-game series to L.A. that finished 48 points behind them. The Oilers had seven future Hall of Famers on that team. Chicago had three Hall of Famers. I, I, was, I was nervous about the series from day one. Uh, 12 versus 5 matchup. We saw Pittsburgh, a better and deeper team than Edmonton, with guys that have won Stanley Cups before, and they played worse than the Oilers did. I mean, the Oilers dominated Chicago for the bat, you know, for the third period in that game. Uh, Edmonton could have won any one of game two, three, or four, and maybe didn't get the bounces and maybe made some immature mistakes. But you look at Pittsburgh, there's a team that's won a couple cups in the last five years, and they had an even shot total with Montreal in the game deciding game. Like, Carey Price stole game one, but he didn't steal, steal a series. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you think maybe a, a sense of appreciation is needed here for history? And also recognizing how tight things are today. It's not like when one team's 48 points better than another team. Teams that are 48 points behind have no chance to make the playoffs in a in a 16 uh, playoff uh, uh, league uh, 
or for that matter, even in a 20, like if you're 48 points behind, you're not, you're in the bottom seven of the league. You have no chance. So does history matter a little bit here? Like do people need to maybe just decompress for a second and reevaluate? I think what we need to do is look at the regular season and, and put it all in perspective. Like, you know, think, think where we were in October and September thinking, man, if the Oilers can just possibly turn around this horrendous slide of the last two years and get close to the playoffs, that'll be a really good thing. That's exactly what happened. That We saw so many good signs on this team. I mean, Koskinen had a pretty good year. The, the, Ethan Bear stepped up, Caleb Jones and Cutter Yamamoto. Dave Tippett did all kinds of great things as a coach in terms of uh, having a more creative breakout for the team and coming up with the lines. I mean, I, I've criticized Tippett here for breaking up the, the uh, what I call the dynamite line with Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto, but he created that line, and that line dominated the league. There was all kinds of excellent signs. Connor McDavid came back miraculously from a terrible knee injury that we weren't even aware of in September. So plenty of good things happened, and the, and the problems to be solved, like to find the right wingers to play with McDavid, which is a tricky thing, That's you can solve that problem. Having more experience from all these defensemen and having them go through the suffering of not being ready in the playoffs and figuring that out themselves and doing that work themselves and and being ready the next time, those are things that are all going to go on. So that's what I liked about uh, Ken Holland's message of you need to be patient, you need continuity. But I also liked his no BS approach, Bob, where he said, if we don't learn that and if we lose next year, then this painful learning lesson is all for naught, like it means nothing. So he's not feeding us like endless optimism and hope. He's saying next year we've got to do better. And I like him drawing that line in the sand as the leader of this team. David, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Bob. From the Cult of Hockey, that is David Stables. There's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. But outstanding customer service is a key to any business, as you all know. Brent Ridgeford is a nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They're taking care of all the protocols to keep things safe at their Brent Ridgeford location in Wetaskiwin. They'll provide you with outstanding service at the time of the purchase. They'll continue that standard of service after the sale as well. So let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridgeford lend a hand. You can reach them at one eight seven seven four seven seven thirty six seventy three, or go online at brentridge.com. Uh, off to a global news weather traffic update at one we We'll marry the two breaks here, uh, Angie Quinnell. And when we come back, John Shannon, our NHL insider. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.